0: Good morning, it's Thursday, February 3rd. I'm Duarte Giraldino.
1: And I'm Shimita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news, and how the world's best journalists are covering them.
0: We're following breaking news this morning. The US military carried out a raid in Syria overnight. President Biden says this operation killed Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al karashi He's the leader of ISIS. Biden also says all Americans involved in this operation return safely.
1: There's a lot that's unclear at this point. The Washington Post reports that people on the ground say several people in the area are dead, including children. The defense secretary recently ordered the military to do more to reduce civilian casualties. The Defense Department was heavily criticized for an airstrike in Kabul that killed 10 civilians in August. You can read more about this story as it develops through the day on the Apple News app.
0: We've talked on the show before about how teachers are leaving the classroom in waves. Literally hundreds of thousands of educators have been resigning. The combination of low pay, burnout, and the stress of the pandemic, all of it just drove a lot of people to leave the classroom. A Wall Street Journal story goes a step further than the headline about people leaving and answers the question, Where are all these teachers going?
1: The journal's Careers Reporter found former teachers are in high demand in this tight labor market. Educators are getting new jobs with better pay, flexible hours, and better work conditions. Companies are snapping them up to work in all kinds of fields like sales, technology, and consulting.
0: Recruiters are saying teachers have skills that are important for a lot of jobs. They're good communicators, handle stress well, and they know how to multitask. LinkedIn data shows. People moving from the classroom to become software engineers, instructional coaches, and behavioral health technicians.
1: One kindergarten teacher told the journal she knew it was time for a change when she had trouble getting out of her car each morning to get into the classroom. She wanted a job where she could work from home some of the time and see her daughter more. She taught herself graphic design skills, and when a job opened up, she went for it. She now gets to work from home three days a week. She even got a raise, but she says she would have taken a pay cut to leave teaching. She said my happiness was worth more.
0: Today, President Biden meets with New York Mayor Eric Adams. They're going to be talking about reducing gun crime. And this is all happening after two NYPD officers were shot and killed recently. Gun violence in America, it's its not a problem that stops at our borders. The Mexican government recently filed a lawsuit against U.S. gun manufacturers alleging they are, in part, to blame for gun violence there. And what's interesting about this case is that dozens of U.S. states and cities are throwing their weight behind this unusual lawsuit.
1: The Trace, which covers gun violence, has some reporting on this. Last year the Mexican government sued several American gun manufacturers in U.S. federal court. It alleges that they intentionally enabled gun violence in Mexico through targeted advertising schemes and careless distribution. More than 140,000 people have been killed by guns in Mexico since 2015. The gun companies named in the lawsuit either didn't respond or declined to comment to the trace.
0: U.S. states, cities, gun violence prevention groups, This week, they all filed briefs supporting Mexico's lawsuit. The thing to understand about this case is, since 2005, a special kind of legal immunity has protected the American gun industry from most litigation. It prohibits suits brought by the criminal or unlawful misuse of a gun. U.S. gun makers have argued this suit should be dismissed on those grounds. But according to Mexico, what's happening is a violation of foreign law and the immunity, it shouldn't apply here.
1: Another way to look at this story is gunmakers have powerful protection against lawsuits. And many of the industry's American critics think this Mexican lawsuit may be a way to challenge that protection.
0: Even before the pandemic, rural hospitals were in big financial
1: trouble. Between 2010 and 2020, about 130 of the country's 1,800 rural hospitals went out of business.
0: That's Monty Reel. He's an investigative reporter for Bloomberg Businessweek.
1: At the beginning of 2020, this is before the pandemic, almost half of them were deemed at high risk of closure because their cash reserves were so low. Reel's reporting looks at how things got even worse when the pandemic hit. He focuses on the Mississippi Delta to see how COVID has made things especially difficult for rural hospitals. As the number of patients in ICUs exploded, hospitals had to cut back on elective surgeries. That meant losing a key source of revenue. And high demand for nurses meant hospitals had to pay more to have enough staff.
0: Real told us how one hospital made the hard decision to let go of its neurosurgeon. He was the only one in the region.
1: The closest neurosurgery units were hours away. The distance of travel could be the difference between, for example, somebody who is having a neurological emergency, it could be the difference between life or death or a you know permanent brain disability.
0: Rural hospitals are making these trade-offs in order to stay open. And it's not an exaggeration to call this a matter of life and death. Studies show when a rural hospital closes, the death rate for time-sensitive conditions goes up by nearly 9%. And for low-income patients and people of color, the death rate is even worse. As we get into the third year of the pandemic, what's becoming clear, and what this piece of journalism underscores, is that a growing number of hospitals in places like the Mississippi Delta, they don't know if they're going to survive 2022.
1: Think about the difference between packing for a summer trip, you know, T-shirts, flip-flops, and packing for a winter trip. Big, bulky sweaters and boots. Now apply that to the Olympics. Winter athletes have to pack way more gear than their summer counterparts. The L.A. Times has a story on how challenging it is. And honestly, it sounds so difficult and so stressful. They should be handing out medals at the airport.
0: Yeah, I mean, just think about it. These athletes have to carry helmets, skis, and it's not just one set. You know, they're all tuned differently for each event. American star Michaela Schifrin could have as many as 60 pairs of skis with her. Then they're on the bobsledge, which is basically like taking a grand piano on a trip.
1: It is such a huge task, figuring out how to get all this stuff to Beijing, that the U.S. delegation hired a company that's worked with big rock stars like Led Zeppelin and Bruce Springsteen. And it's their job to make sure all the equipment makes it there, on time and in one piece.
0: Winter Olympians have all these tricks to get all the stuff into fewer bags. As one skier tells the L.A. Times, in the airport... You can tell the rookies from the veterans. The ones dragging five bags, it's probably their first time at the games.
1: You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app.
0: And while you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners.
1: We'll talk with you again tomorrow.